Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've read the Bible all the way through numerous times. I, I sound like a man. I have many leather-clad books. But I've read the, book, the Bible all the way through, and there's one character that I always resonate with more than almost any other character in the entire Bible, one person that I resonate with a whole lot. And that person, I would love to tell you that person is Peter, who's sticking his foot in his mouth all the time, but is courageous, and at least he's getting some stuff done. Or I'd love to tell you it's Paul, who is writing just a prolific amount of letters, starting churches everywhere. I'd love to tell you it was Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. I would love to tell you that it was any of these people, but the person that I resonate with by and large, all the time is Martha. And, you know, as I've prepared to preach on Martha, I've, I've preached on Martha and Mary before, and I, I don't know if I covered it quite adequately. And today, as I've expanded my research on Martha, I've just gotten such a heart for her. Because one of the things that I realized about Martha is that I love her, <laughs> and that Jesus loves her too. And as we read this story, I want to expand to you, uh, show you Jesus' heart for Martha, the way that he loves her, that, that busybody woman that she is. Martha, she's a responsible woman. She's bold and she's bossy. Uh, Martha, most of all, with all of these things, even though she's responsible, she's bold and she's bossy, she really loves Jesus. She wants him in her home. Martha and Mary are these sisters. They, they don't show up that often in the Bible. There's only two, maybe three stories. There's one story in John that kind of two stories run together about them. And because I'm so very much like Martha, the Lord has used this passage in my life in profound ways. And I think that many of us might resonate with Martha more than what we care to admit at times. It's not easy to be a Bostonian and not to be a little bossy, a little busy, and a little responsible. That tends to describe many of us. And so as we hear from her today, I want us to hear these words as if they're spoken to us. These words that Jesus says to Martha, that your heart is troubled and anxious about many things, but that there is a good portion, church. Today we're continuing our series on Sabbath as a way of life. And we say it like that really intentionally. We don't want to say it any differently because the real reality is, is the goal of this series isn't to convince you to take a day off. Take, there's nothing wrong with taking a day off. In fact, I would encourage it. I would encourage you to practice Sabbath, church. Practice a day to enjoy the good things of God. But there's more to being a Christian than just practicing a new rule, a Sabbath day. To be a Christian means that we have received a Sabbath way of life. And that means that when Christ has paid for our penalty, that he has given us rest. He says, come to me, all you are who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Not rest one day a week. I will give you rest. 
I will give you the confidence to walk through life and not feel like you need to earn every step of the way. I will give you rest from your labors with sin. I want us to learn how to be unbusy as a church. In a busy and frantic world, let's be unhurried at church. Honestly, if I'm going to think about what is the missing ingredient for our spiritual lives, most of us in here have every advantage in the world. Did you know it wasn't until 500 years ago where, where Bibles started getting printed? You have a Bible in your own language, probably more than one. You have every advantage, yet our spiritual lives are oftentimes depleted. And I think that the missing ingredient for us many times is just this unbusy, unhurried life. There's something appealing about someone who is not unhur- that is not hurried. Because you can't love someone when you're in a hurry. If I'm in a rush, I'm not stopping and loving someone. When you look at the story that happens right before Martha and Mary, we have the story of the Good Samaritan. And in this story, you have a a priest and a Levite, very righteous men with a lot of good things. They do a lot of good things, but they're in a hurry and they walk straight past her, straight past the, the hurt man. If we're going to love, we must be unhurried. Let's dive into the passage today. Martha, Mary, and the good portion. The big idea is this. Our distracted and anxious hearts prevent us from enjoying the good portion of God. Our distracted and anxious hearts prevent us from enjoying the good portion of God. Two points. Understanding the nature of our distracted and hurried hearts, anxious hearts, troubled hearts, hearts, and two, enjoying the good portion of God. Understanding our distracted hearts and enjoying the good portion of God. So first, let's dive into this understanding our distracted, anxious hearts. Looking at the text starting in verse 38, this is what uh, the scripture says. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. The village is not named here, but we know elsewhere in the Bible that Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus who's not even mentioned in this story, but they live in a town called Bethany. And Bethany is about two miles outside of Jerusalem. And it's probably somewhere that Jesus passed through often as he was going in and out of Jerusalem. In fact, if you look at the story of the Good Samaritan, just before it, he talks about a man on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho, and Bethany is one of the towns on the way from Jerusalem to Jericho. And so Jesus is stopping in here in the town of Bethany, and he oftentimes would do that, you would think, because he went to Jerusalem so often. So maybe he had gotten to know Mary and Martha from many of his travels. The scripture doesn't teach us exactly how often he did this, but it is something that we can infer. Continuing in verse 38, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now this is significant because Martha welcomes Jesus. She does the inviting and it's her house. She's inviting Jesus over into her house. That's significant for a first century context. This is a woman who owns a home in a town that's Two miles from the center of the Jewish universe. She's like in the suburbs, owning her own home, catching Jesus as he comes by and inviting her, him over. She's a powerful woman. It, the Bible doesn't tell us who's older. 
But I'll tell you something. I will eat my hat in heaven if Martha is not, I guess it's a crown if I'm in heaven. I will eat my crown in heaven if Martha is not the older sister. All right. Those of you who have siblings know you, you 100% agree with me at the moment. Martha is the older one. That's, that's absolutely sure. Just her overblown sense of responsibility tells us that. She feels like she's got to be responsible for everything. It's a, sad, it's a hard plight being an older sibling. But that's what she's experiencing there. Verse 39, And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Martha is feeling slighted by her sister, but more than that, she's feeling slighted by Jesus. She respects Jesus as master, respects Jesus as Lord. She calls him Lord, which could mean master. It might mean that she thinks that he is uh, Yahweh, the Old Testament uh, name for God. She might be using it in that context, but it certainly means that she thinks that he is the boss, that she thinks that he is master. And so she's coming and saying, Jesus, my sister is slighting me. She, this is not fair. I'm a, I'm a parent. This happens all the time. Like, are you not going to say something, Dad, that, that Shepherd's in there watching TV while I'm doing my chores? Like, that's, that's a normal thing here. But here Martha is. She's feeling slighted. Why does Mary get to just sit in there and enjoy herself while I'm in here working my tail off? Any of you siblings having a flashback to some point in life? Look at the way that Martha's talking with Jesus. She says, do you not care? Tell her then to help me. Martha is bossing Jesus around. She's telling Jesus to do something. She's being cheeky with him. Here's a woman who is so bossy that she even bosses the one that she calls master. Martha never hesitates to correct Jesus even. When Jesus says something that doesn't seem quite right to her, she corrects him. In, in the book of John, her, her brother has died, and they've put his body in a tomb. And Jesus comes, and this is a famous story where he raises her brother Lazarus from the dead. Jesus shows up, and he says, move the stone out of the way. Martha instantly was like, no, don't you move that stone. It's going to be stinky. That's going to stink. She corrects Jesus all the time. She's on top of it. I have a feeling that Martha is not the type of woman that, that is used to people saying no to her very often. She's a woman that takes initiative. It's her house. She invited Jesus over. In fact, I bet that invitation was a little bit more like, you're eating at my house tonight. Come on over. She's cooking the meal. She's cleaning it up. She's not the half-do-it kind of person. This is why I resonate with her. When I put my head on a task, I'm full force in it. And oftentimes, I don't even notice the people around me. My wife has to like, snap to get my attention when she says something, because I only can think about one thing at a time. I need to grow in that way. But here Martha is, this responsible woman, competent, busy, maybe with a smidge of self-importance and pride. Do you see yourself in her? I do. But here's an, here's an important spiritual lesson for us, a very, very important one. 
It is possible to want to be near to Jesus. It is impossible. It is possible to invite Jesus into your home. It is possible to serve Jesus, to call him master, and yet miss the good portion of Jesus. That is all very possible. That you can love Jesus and want to be near him and miss the good part of him. And so many of us do. And so listen to how Jesus responds to her. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. Jesus knows Martha. And as we'll see soon, that he, he actually loves Martha very deeply. He knows Martha so well that he knows that the problem, what the problem is behind the problem. You see, Martha thinks that the problem is with Mary, but Jesus knows that Martha's problem is with Martha, is with her own heart. It's her heart that's anxious and troubled about many things. It's not like Martha doesn't have a good reason to be anxious and troubled. She's hosting Jesus, okay? I would be anxious and troubled as well. I would be wanting to get everything just right as well. She's hosting the one that she calls Lord. It's an anxiety-inducing idea. Martha was obviously annoyed with her sister. And Mary did have this little habit of being the one that's a little bit more emotionally needy at times. When you look at that story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, Mary, Jesus shows up, Martha goes out to greet Jesus, no one goes with her. But when Mary goes out to greet Jesus, she has a, a, a pool of people that follow her and make sure she's okay. <laughs> Mary is the one who's being a little bit more emotional in the moment. Martha wanted to hear Jesus, but the tyranny of the urgent was distracting her, preventing her. Martha's hospitality was preventing her from enjoying her guests. I think we've all been there, where we have a, a guest in our home, and we feel like we really want to treat this guest with honor and dignity and respect, and so we go out of our way to, to make things nice for them. But at the end of the time, we end up just exhausted and not having enjoyed our guest's presence whatsoever. There's a way that you can be hospitable that isn't about enjoying your guests, but, but it's more about perception management. What are they going to think of me if I don't have everything put together just right? You want to manage their perception of you. But friends, good company trumps good hosting any day. You have to be present in that moment to enjoy the good company. Martha's heart was anxious and distracted because she wanted to impress more than she wanted to be present. Martha's so busy. I bet you could have taken a picture of her house and posted it on Instagram, and she would have gotten a lot of likes. Mary's not going to get very many likes for what she's doing. because She's just sitting at his feet. She's just listening, soaking it in. Martha is doing this thing that I do all the time. She's choosing the measurable portion over the good portion. How many times do we do that? We choose the measurable portion. I like to get things done so that I feel good and accomplished at the end of the day. 
Accomplishing things feels so much better than just being present, does it not? Earlier this week, I'm a pastor, okay? My, my job is with people. I'm supposed to help people with their problems, pray for them, talk to the Lord, plead on their behalf. And so I have a lot of time with people throughout my week, but I also have a long to-do list of things I, I want to get done and got to get done. And so there was a day this week when I had several meetings, and these were good meetings, fruitful ministry, where I was praying and seeing God do amazing things in people's hearts, just seeing them reinstated with their love for, for Jesus. It was, it was a really good day, but then at the end of the day, I just felt like a complete waste. What did I even get done today? Friends, it's so easy to choose the measurable portion over the good portion. If we're not careful, our Christianity or even our churches can revert to this way of thinking, where we measure our success by how much we accomplish for God instead of how much God is accomplishing in us. Obviously, serving isn't wrong. And Jesus is the same person that said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. He is for serving. But he's for serving in a way that enjoys the relationship. If you look at the Good Samaritan, the passage right before this one, just a few verses up, how does the Samaritan man treat the man that's been beaten and left by the side of the road? He doesn't treat him like a project. He doesn't just set him on his way, but he treats him like a person with compassion. In fact, it says that, verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where this man that was beaten was left, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went up to him and bound his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. You see, this isn't just a project for him to make him feel better about himself. He actually cares about the person he's serving. You see, that's the difference. We can serve in a way that only serves ourselves, that makes me feel better about me. Look at how awesome I am that I pulled over and helped this person. Or we can serve in a way that has compassion for other people, that treats them with dignity and respect. Many of our social movements are really just ways to posture ourselves to look better. But Jesus is calling us not to that type of service, but to a type of service where we really invest ourselves into relationship with others. That's what it's like to live in a gospel culture, where we prioritize being present with one another over being perfect in front of one another. We prioritize presence over being perfect. We're all messed up people, and we build up. We don't beat up. Church, Martha's heart was anxious and troubled because she was self-consumed. How many of us are there? Anxiety is such a rampant issue. But I think some of our anxieties come from the same stem of being self-consumed, do they not? The second point that we have today is enjoying the good portion of God. Let's look again at Jesus' kind, compassionate words that he uses with Martha. Our Lord says in verse 41, The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. 
Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus says, you have many worries, but one thing is necessary. I love the way that Jesus talks, because sometimes it's very cryptic and, and confusing. <laughs> With this one, he says, you have many worries, but one thing is necessary. What is it, Jesus? What is the one thing that's necessary? And then he just says, Mary chose the good portion. Like he doesn't, it's like he leads you to it, but he doesn't lead you to it, you know? It's like we got to draw a few lines here, a few points of conclusion. What is this good portion that Mary has chosen? The good portion is to sit at the feet of Jesus and to listen to his teaching, to enjoy his presence. The word of the Lord, friends, gives life. <laughs> The word of the Lord is rich. It is pleasing. And when Jesus speaks it, and when we read it in the Bible, our hearts are made anew and refreshed. Because He Himself is dwelling with us when He speaks to us. When we hear His voice, that is how we resonate and dwell with God. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Look, I know a lot of you here um, are newer, and you might still be looking for a church. And I just want to make one plug here. And this isn't necessarily just a plug for us. There's a lot of churches in the city that would fit this category. And um, some people, yeah, I mean, this is, this is just the, the way that you need to think about it. When you're looking for a church, before you think about how rocking their band is, how much you fit in with the people around, the, around there, how the demographics fit your demographics, how their social issues fit your social issues, how people dress, before you look at any of that stuff, does that church give you the good portion? Without the good portion, without the word of the Lord, your heart is going to shrivel and die. You need the good portion. You need to be able to hear from Jesus, church. And so if you're looking for a church, let me just tell you, prioritize that. We're not the only church in town that does that. Hopefully, we, hopefully your experience is that you get the good portion here, that you get the word here. But there are other churches. We can recommend several, but prioritize those things. Prioritize that. None of that stuff matters if you don't have the word of Jesus. Jesus says... To, to Martha that this good portion will not be taken away from Mary. And that's both in eternity and at this moment. Because Martha is saying, Jesus, tell Mary to stop doing what she's doing and come help me. And he's like, I'm not taking away the good portion. She's, having, she's enjoying herself. I'm not taking that away from her. It would be easy, church, for us to read this passage. And this is the way I have preached it before. And this is the easiest way to preach it, is to say, church, be like Mary. Choose the good portion, not the busy portion. Don't be like Martha. But I just want you to imagine you in Martha's shoes. A lot of us here resonate with Martha, okay? Anybody else resonate with Martha just a little bit? All right, we, we see a, little Mar a few Marthas around here. You're Martha, and Jesus says, Martha, be more like Mary, Woo! That's not going to go very well, all right? I don't want to be like Mary. I'm me. There are some lovely things about Martha. There are some lovely things about Mary. 
very lovely things about Mary. I love that she's able to be who she is. But there's some admirable things about Martha, too. And when you look at the scripture, this is what I want you to see. Jesus never says, be like your sister. What Jesus says to Martha is unique to Martha. And what he gives to Martha is his love. He doesn't say, be more like Mary, and then I'll love you more. No. He speaks with compassion and kindness to Martha as who she is. Many of us have a hard time believing that Jesus can love me. Even me. You don't have to change and be someone else. Because look here, Jesus is loving Martha. When he says to Martha, when he starts this, Martha, Martha, he repeats her name. That might not strike any of us as significant uh, in here. But when you look at the biblical pattern for repeating names, it is with deep emotion that people repeat names like that in the Bible. The only times that I can think of, there's several times in the scripture, but the ones that are coming to the top of my head is when David's son Absalom dies. And he's weeping. And he says, Absalom, oh, Absalom. He's crushed. Even though Absalom had been trying to murder him, he's still crushed that his son Absalom is dead. When, the, when our Lord Jesus calls Saul, to be, and later he changes his name to Paul, but when he calls him, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's with deep affection that our Lord speaks in this way. Jesus resonates with Martha's pain, and he loves her in the midst of it. In John 11, the scripture says it really clearly. I love this. If you just, if you just flip over John 11, if you have your Bibles, I think this is so important, and it, it really lightens up what we see in Luke 10. John 11, verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and her brother Lazarus. Mary doesn't even get her name. Jesus loved Martha first, and her sister, and Lazarus, her brother. Jesus loves people who are messed up, who've got their priorities out of order, who are busybodies, who are so distracted they can't enjoy the good portion. He still loves them and cares for them. In that passage, Lazarus dies, Jesus shows up too late to do anything in John 11. And uh, Martha sees him, and being the first oldest daughter, uh, so I think, but being the proactive one at least, she, she goes right, straight out to Jesus and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And how does Jesus respond? Well, Jesus responds by saying, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, shall yet live. He just, he just talks at her for a few minutes. But then, a few minutes later, Mary sees that Jesus has arrived. And Mary walks out to Jesus and says the exact same thing. You can look at the words. They're the it's the exact same phrase. They had obviously been talking about it. If only if Jesus had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Mary goes out and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't say a thing. He just weeps. You see, the way that Jesus loves Mary is different than the way that Jesus loves Martha. With Martha, he loves her by giving her a lecture. 
And with Mary, he loves her by giving her tears. I have a friend in, in, in our church who sometimes talks about the way that the Lord speaks to him. And I, I think I would shrivel up and cry if the Lord spoke to me. And I'm like, you feel loved when he says that? When, when you hear the Lord speak to you in that way, you feel loved? Yeah, love it. All right, that's great. That's not the way that Jesus has ever spoken to me. We have to live in community so that we can experience all the different ways that the Lord interacts with us. But what I want you to see is that Jesus loves us just the way we need to be loved. He loves us just the way we need to be loved. People with an overblown sense of responsibility. Unite. Uh, we have a really hard time believing the Lord loves us. Have grace with those people in your life. They have a really hard time believing that they're good enough. Isn't it so crazy that the people that are best, that get the most done, have a really hard time feeling like they're ever good enough? And Jesus has compassion for those people. And those people, those of you like me, you'll never learn to have grace for those who can't get as much done or don't want to get as much done, that just want to enjoy the good life. You'll never learn to have enough grace for those Marys in your life until you understand the immeasurable riches that have been poured on you. That you don't have to be good enough. That Jesus gives you righteousness. That he gives you love because of what he has done for you. That our Savior of the world loved us so much that he gave his own son for us. That he might die. That we might have eternal life that our sins are paid for. You don't have to be good enough. That is the message of the gospel, that you will never arrive. And until you understand the immeasurable greatness of the grace of Jesus, you will never have compassion for those who don't seem like they have their act together. Jesus wants Martha to understand his love, and understanding his love for her will help her to love Mary and to enjoy the good portion. When Jesus says Mary has chosen the good portion, here's what he meant. What feeds the soul is more important than what feeds the body. What feeds the soul is more important than what feeds the body. Martha's in there working on the dishes. Mary's in there feeding on the word of the Lord. So here's how you enjoy the good portion, church. Really simple stuff. Sit at the feet of Jesus metaphorically, listen to his word, make time, enjoy that good portion, seek relationship with him, don't do it to impress him, be honest with him, and pray. It's not insignificant where this passage is laid. As we've talked about the Good Samaritan, look at what comes after the story of Martha and Mary but the Lord's Prayer, where our Lord teaches us how to talk with Him. That's how we choose the Good Portion Church. You go to Him day after day, and you seek Him, and you enjoy His presence. You need to just make some time. Or you can just do it in the little amounts of time that you have in between. Just make room in your heart 
for it. One thing that the scripture teaches us over and over again is that one day we will get to eat with Jesus, much like Mary and Martha. That we'll get to sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb and enjoy a good meal with Jesus himself. And each and every week, we participate in kind of the first fruits of that. We participate in like the appetizers of the marriage feast of the Lamb that's coming one day. When we enjoy a communion meal, we're being reminded that His body was broken for us, His blood was shed for us, and that one day He is coming to again to make the world right again. We're being reminded that we have communion with Him, and one day we will have full communion with Him. So friends, as we enjoy this communion with Him today, let's long for the communion that we only have in heaven. Father, as we come to Your table, we ask that you make us present, present with you. That you will give us an understanding of what it means to be your children and help us to engage with you. Father, minister to us in this time. As we enjoy this meal, help us to be reminded that we will enjoy communion with you throughout eternity. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.